TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. And we're back. Happy Black Friday, I think. If you're confused, so are we. If you follow the NFC East, you're not sure what the hell is going on in the calendar Or with the Dallas Cowboys, is Jason Garrett the coach this morning or is he not? It was a bizarre day on Thursday. It was not Thanksgiving. Today is Friday, January 3rd, I do believe. Happy Friday, everybody. Home and home at radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire in 2020. So maybe the Dallas Cowboys need to check out Zip Recruiter. Or do they, or did Edward or get Jason Garrett fired? I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut, and Ross Tucker's home in Pennsylvania. Get ready for that Eagles game on Sunday. We will rank all eight wildcard NFL teams this morning. But first, Ross, happy Black Friday. For those of you listening this morning that have no idea what we're talking about, here's Dan Snyder, Redskins owner, introducing his new coach, Ron Rivera, with a strange greeting. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Today's the beginning of a great new year for the Redskins organization and its fans. What the hell was he talking about? For those that haven't seen the video, Ron Rivera was laughing hysterically, Ross. No one in the media or none of the friends of the organization in the room chuckled even the slightest bit. Can you explain what happened there? Uh, three options in my mind. Number one, he just totally screwed up and Ron Rivera thought it was hilarious. Uh, I, I just don't picture though, if you're Ron Rivera and you just got this new contract and your boss screwed up, I don't think you'd be the one person laughing that hard, right? I mean, let's look at this logically. The guy just gave you a $5 million fully guaranteed deal. I don't think you'd be laughing at him within 10 seconds of the introductory press conference, but that is an option that Daniel Snyder just messed up. But he said in the very next line, it's a new year. It's a great new year for the Redskins. So I don't think he screwed up Dave. I think he knew what he was doing. Um, I will say this. I'm not a comedian. I'm not even, I don't even try to be. But if nobody laughs at your joke, it wasn't a good joke, right? I I, I mean, yes, absolutely right. A couple of things here. Now, I reached out to our friends 106.7 The Fan in Washington, D.C. after I saw this. And I said, is the rest of the country just not in on the inside joke? And confirmation was no, none of us in the room understood what it was. And they began asking questions after Snyder said it. And as of last night, they still had no clue what he was talking about. I'm with you. I think this was an inside joke between he and Rivera. 
I don't think Snyder has the rapport with the media to go in there and get them to laugh. It, it was clear that that's just an uncomfortable situation. I don't think he thought it was Thanksgiving. I think he wants everyone to give thanks for the organization hiring Ron Rivera. Again, a little tone deaf if you are the Washington Redskins. And at one point, the entire country was up in arms about getting rid of that nickname and the logo and think about its connotations to Thanksgiving. Dan Snyder lives by his own set of rules. Uh, I, I don't understand it. But on the bright side, I do like the hire of Ron Rivera until Snyder screws it up. And you? Well, so, yeah, and, and I would say this. My only other thought, Dave, is that, yeah. yeah, there could be an inside joke, but he also could be like, hey, this is a great day for Redskins fans. Let's give thanks that we yeah. got our guy, that we got Ron Rivera. Like, that, that could be why it's Happy Thanksgiving. We are thankful that we got our guy. We made our hire with Ron Rivera. That's the only other plausible scenario that I can think of. But again, one way or the other, it's not good, right, Dave? I mean, I don't want to make too big a deal out of this. I'm known for making a big deal out of press box food and its reflection on an organization. By the way, the Redskins press box food is typically heinous, so you should know that. But no matter what, Dave, Daniel Snyder talks to the media maybe once a year. It's kind of a big opportunity for him. He got rid of Bruce Allen, which everybody wanted. He got a coach, which everybody seems to like and respect. It's a, it's a, it's a big miscalculation, one way or the other, to start the press conference in that way, such that that's what we're talking about, right? I mean, like, I don't want to make too big a deal out of it because it's probably an inside joke that we just didn't get. But that's what we're talking about. We're on a national show right now that people listen and watch live on the Radio.com app or Radio.com slash home or later on demand. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about his comment rather than really the Redskins showing some core competency here moving on from Bruce Allen, getting a good coach. I mean, one way or the other, I think maybe it's a flaw, and correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, yeah. that I make too big a deal out of little things, but I think little things are important. You talk to the, your fans maybe once a year, and you start it off by either screwing up or by an inside joke that nobody gets. Like, that doesn't help you. How does that help you? Viral moments matter, but I think only in the moment. Yes, all day this was the biggest takeaway from the press conference. Uh, nothing Rivera said could have topped the Thanksgiving remark, not in terms of social media attention. But ultimately, this won't matter. This is why Snyder probably doesn't talk to the media a whole lot. He's not very good at it. I don't think this will matter in the long term, and I also don't think it matters in D.C. It is something for us and the national media to latch on to. If you want proof of that, here is some sound from 106.7, uh, the fan in D.C. They are all excited about the hire of Ron Rivera, the defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, as well, not focusing on Thanksgiving, but giving thanks for their new coach. 
The Redskins <laughs> and Ron Rivera have come to terms. A five-year deal, and we want a little reaction. How do you grade the hire? I think it's a solid B. Okay. I think I, I, we use the word solid. I do think it's solid. I think he's going to br- bring a level of competence. I think you're going to feel like they're a prepared team. My reservation comes from just some of the little things that we have heard just in the last couple weeks about Daniel Snyder. Like, it seems like he still might be in the equation. But so. if, he lets, if he lets Rivera do his own thing, see, I, I would be lukewarm on the hire if, Shan, if if Allen was still in play. Right. Okay, but now that Allen is gone, I'm going to give them a better chance of being successful. So, like, if Bill Belichick is an A+, plus, like, Ron Rivera is a, a BB+. Plus. He's a really good coach. Um, and, and I think in a lot of ways, and, and we put out uh, a column that I wrote yesterday on thefandc.com, that he is the right coach at the right time. I think it's a good pick. I think it's a good fit. I like his ethnic background. That may help fill seats in the stadium. I'm excited about this Ron Rivera hire, man, because of the fact that I think he's a guy that could really turn this pro, turn this franchise around as far as his, um, as far as his culture change. And I don't believe it'll just be him turning it around. I think he'll surround himself with the right pieces as far as coaching staffs and um, things of that nature to just help turn this franchise around with so much talent. That's 106.7 The Fan in D.C. I like the grade. I think that is about a B, B plus, but I think it's inevitable, Ross, that Dan Snyder will meddle and will find a way to screw this up. And we also don't know what type of organization Ron Rivera is capable of building. We know he's a great coach, but how will the personnel department work? There's a lot of questions down the road. Yeah, good point about the personnel aspect of it. I think we're all a little curious as to who's going to run that, it sounds like Ron Rivera is going to have a lot of say. And, and I think almost any time, Dave, if you hire the head coach before you hire the GM, the head coach is the one pretty much hiring the GM and the head coach mm-hmm. has final say. That would be the one part of this that would make me nervous as a Redskins fan is giving personnel control to a coach that's never had it before. We don't know how he'll handle that. A lot of coaches have failed miserably, primarily, Dave, because they were awful from the personnel standpoint. The coaching part, the culture, the talking to the team, that was fine. They struggled on the personnel side of things. So that will be a key ingredient to this hire. I would agree, B, B+. I just like that the Redskins fired Gruden when they did. They got ahead of this when they did. They're already building and working towards next year. They already hired Jack Del Rio, who's got a lot of experience as well. It just feels like they've got people in place now that know what they're doing. And we'll see how much Daniel Snyder meddles or not. We shall see. It was Thanksgiving on Thursday, and it was also the day Jason Garrett was fired in Dallas, or was it? It's tough to tell this morning on a Friday because no confirmation has come from anyone in Dallas with the Cowboys organization. But the breaking news was from Ed Werder of ESPN via Twitter. Cowboys owner Jerry Jones and executive vice president Stephen Jones have decided that Jason Garrett will not be part of the organization moving forward. Again, that according to Ed Werder of ESPN late last night. Now, Garrett's contract is up on January 14th. 
they don't really have to do anything. They don't have to fire him. They can just say goodbye. But again, no confirmation from Cowboys land. No confirmation from our friends at 105.3 The Fan in Dallas who are all over that organization. What do you make of this strange sequence of events? I don't know what to make of it other than they have so much respect for Jason Garrett that they wanted him to be able to say his goodbyes and do the player exit interviews in a manner in which he liked. But I saw where Jane Slater, Dave, from NFL Network said yesterday that he still hadn't done all the exit interviews with players. What? I mean, Dave, as a player, you are looking to get out of there ASAP. Now, it's the Cowboys, so maybe more guys actually hang out there and live in Dallas year-round. But every team I was on, those guys had flights or their cars were packed on Monday. And right after they met with their coaches, they were out of there. So to think that they made some Cowboys players stick around for four days for exit interviews... Oh, hell no. Hell no. No chance. Those guys want to get out of there. They want to get back home. It's a long season. How about zero days off from mid-July on? It's nice to be able to have your time your own. Look, that's one of the best parts about being a pro football player. January, February, March, unless you make the playoffs, you're off. You get to go and do whatever you want. Your time is your own. I just don't believe that they still had guys doing exit interviews yesterday on a Thursday, I'd be pissed, really pissed, if I do exit interviews. I think that that's part of it. I think that maybe they've decided that they want to go ahead and announce this on a Friday afternoon, right before the playoffs, so it doesn't get as much attention. I don't know. That seems like the exact antithesis <laughs> of everything no. the Cowboys represent. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe they're working some backroom deals and. Sean Payton's going to end up being the coach of the Cowboys and Garrett's going to the Giants and they're just making all this work behind the scenes. But if that were the case, I would think that there'd be some leak out of somewhere because there's a lot of people involved in something like that. Yeah, it is a baffling scenario. Um, I, I I do think the timing is something Jerry Jones has thought about. We've seen this before with Zeke Elliott and the, the Zeke who and making T-shirts out of that. This guy knows how to profit from everything even this dangling Jason Garrett has kept the Cowboys relevant, has kept them on the top of the news cycle. That's what Jerry Jones does better than any owner in the NFL, reminiscent to the president of the United States, that even when you think he's making a mistake, just the fact that he keeps himself relevant on the top of the news cycle is part of the brand, part of the reason the Cowboys are worth $5 billion, the most valuable organization in all of sports. What I make of this turn of events is that Jerry Jones is just like me. No, I ain't no billionaire, but I hate breaking up with people. I think breaking up is one of the most difficult things to do in life because you feel so bad about it. And I think Jerry Jones really deeply down feels bad about breaking up with Jason Garrett, who is kind of 
part of the Cowboys family, probably wanted him to stay in the organization in some capacity, and clearly they couldn't find the arrangement that works. But breaking up is hard, man. I remember sitting on the phone for hours back in middle school trying to break up with the girl, and high school finding any way that it wouldn't have to be blamed on me that I could you know, just botch the relationship and not have to break up with someone. That's Jerry Jones' struggle. He is just like all of us, Ross. He doesn't like to dump the girl. Do you? Uh, no, I don't think anybody likes to dump the girl. But Oh, hey, that's not true. Of, is this a oh, little bit man. of a humble brag? Is this a little bit of a humble brag? You're making it sound like you've had so many girlfriends over the years that you've had to just say, <laughs> I'm sorry, dear. It's not working. I need to move on. I know you love me, baby, but it's time for me to move on and break yet another heart. I mean, I don't remember. I mean, I don't really remember breaking up with that many girls or having that many break really? up with me. Oh, well, I, I did not intend it as a humble brag, but I'm glad you served me my own words back in my face there. That was probably appropriate. Yeah, I guess as a young man, I did break up with a, a fair amount of ladies. I mean, that's when I was cool and decent looking and, and, and kind of a, you know, a, a, a busy guy socially. Middle school, high school, oh, a lot of girlfriends. Girl Good word choice. Yeah. My dad used to always make fun of the amount of girlfriends. And again, not intended as a humble brag, but good point. But I always just struggled to let a girl go. I just felt so terrible about it. I think, I don't know that I was actually broken up with. I'm not going to say I accomplished uh, every feat that I set my mind to in terms of the dating realm. There were a couple of girls that just it just never happened for me. I tried, tried, tried hard, but just never got it done. But I don't ever actually remember being dumped. But you know, thankfully, I've been dumped several times in my professional <laughs> career. So, so I have been very much humbled in the being dumped category, man. I am a fucking pro at that. I'm a Hall of Famer. <laughs> right. So, uh, look, uh, I think. Let me ask you this. You're a big you're a you're a big J journalist, okay? What do you think of Ed Werder saying a source says Jason's not going to be with the organization anymore, which yeah. I guess I would have told you that after the Eagles game. Like I think we all knew that. Although, yeah. you know, in the last couple of days maybe there has been some speculation that he could stay on the organization in some other role. So I guess that is news. But then ESPN takes it and runs with it like Jason Garrett's been fired. Is that right? Like, is, is that just the world we live in now? It's not right, and it is the world in which we live. Yes, journalistically, I'm not in love with how this went down, being that here we are uh, almost 9 a.m. Eastern time on a Friday and still no confirmation, nothing even close to it, out of Cowboys' camp out of the organization no one else in the entire media to your point you're talking about dozens of well-connected reporters who have cell phone numbers and long-term relationships with that organization i don't like the way it went down but yes this is the way the world works and whoever got this story first was going to get a ton of traction now boy could it blow up in their face if in fact later today jerry jones comes out and says nope Jason Garrett is still with the organization. I think we all know, to your point, though, that is not about to happen. Just not going to happen 
that Jason Garrett will be retained. So Cowboys out, of course, watching the Philadelphia Eagles start wild card weekend this weekend. Eight teams, four terrific looking games. We thought we would rank those eight teams in terms of likelihood to get to the Super Bowl. And we're going to start with number eight. We're going to go all the way up to number one in terms of the most likely team to reach the Super Bowl. And I want you to start with your eighth-ranked team of Wild Card Weekend, least likely to make the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I think this is a fun way to do it, Dave, because everybody else just breaks down the games. No, 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 no. It's about the Super Bowl. It's about the big prize. So let's rank them in terms of least likely to most likely to actually get there. Should be noted, Dave, and I think this is important. Mm -hmm. yep. Not a single team playing in Wild Card Weekend has gotten to the Super Bowl since the Baltimore Ravens in 2012. So I don't want to, like, diminish this weekend's importance or whatever. We're all excited. It's the NFL. It's playoff football. Get fired up. But the reality is, I don't want to say this weekend's a waste of time, Dave, but the odds tell us, recent history tells us, none of these teams are going to the Super Bowl anyway. None of these teams are going to have a chance to lift the Lombardi Trophy anyway. They got a chance. They're in the tournament that starts this weekend, but nobody since 2012. Pretty crazy. My number eight ranked team, and I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but it's true. My number eight ranked team is the Philadelphia Eagles. They have been on a miraculous run over the last month of the season. But they are so beat up. I've never seen anything like it. They're without their top four wide receivers. All of their wide receivers, except for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, were on the practice squad within the last six weeks. I've never seen that. Their running back, Miles Sanders, also still hurt. Jordan Howard coming back from an injury. So Boston Scott, also on the practice squad, is the guy right now, as far as we know. The whole right side of the offensive line, their two best offensive linemen, Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. Brandon Brooks is definitely out. Lane Johnson may or may not play. I tend to doubt it. Same with Zach Ertz this weekend with the last. I mean, it's just, it's too much, Dave. Now, do I think they could beat the Seahawks on Sunday? Yeah, I think that's kind of a toss-up game. But then to go to San Francisco, likely, and then to go to either Green Bay and New Orleans, mm -hmm. I just can't envision this current iteration of the Philadelphia Eagles being able to win three more. I think they'll, they might win one more. I think that's an unbelievable accomplishment given all the injuries. But they're my number eight ranked team. I just cannot see them winning three more games. Wow, I cannot believe we agree on that. I had the Eagles also at number eight. And to me, it's very simple. One number. I'm a numbers nerd. They are four and six outside of the NFC East. This is not a great football team because, yes, the health. 
the one thing they need to do to have a chance in the game, and I don't think they do have a chance in the game. I actually don't think it's a toss-up because I think Russell Wilson carves them up if they come with the right game plan. They don't have Rashad Penny. They don't have Chris Carson. They're going to have to chuck it. It's all on the Eagles' secondary, a secondary that was shredded by Ryan Fitzpatrick recently, 365 yards and three touchdowns uh the folks at wip sports radio in philadelphia they are extraordinarily proud of this organization because of that practice squad mentality because how many guys have been that next man up almost patriots like uh decision making you've got boston scott the guys ross mentioned there let's listen to what they're saying in philly wip sports radio Fly, practice squad, fly, off the bench from injuries. Fight, practice squad, fight, score touchdown, who is he? <laughs> the day is low, the stakes are high, so watch our practice squad fly. Fly, practice squad, fly, cause your name's a mystery. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! I don't feel a lot of confidence in this game, do you? Yeah. You do? Tremendous. A month ago, I, t- I said Tremendous. this was, was going to happen and they were going to beat All Seattle. Right, tell me what your confidence Seattle's is. Seattle's been leaking oil yeah. for they're a month. They're leaking oil. When they win, they win by three. Okay. And they're coming into Philadelphia and Wentz is on top of his game. The Seattle Seahawks are so good, they're only plus seven for the season. They've only scored seven more points than their opponents the entire season. They play too many close games. Close games on the road don't work as well as close games at home. I think with our injuries, we've had some time in a few games to maybe adjust to them and adapt to them and game plan for them a little better. The Seahawks injuries are pretty new. They're not sure what they're going to do without Kendricks. They're not sure what they're going to do without their running back. There is no way, I mean, no way, that the Seahawks are coming into our house and beating us for a second time this year. The defense is riding high. They're making plays. They got veterans. We got leaders from the Super Bowl team that are hungry. We got Carson Wentz back to MVP form, ready to go with a bunch of unknown guys that they found at Wawa. I'm telling you right now, Angelo, there is no way the Seahawks coming to our house and taking another one from us. Coming hot on Sports Radio WIP in Philadelphia. I do like the fly practice squad fly song. Angry guy there at the end. A bit delusional, but they all are in Philadelphia. Apologize to our listeners and viewers there, but Carson Wentz is not a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. They had a poll on WIP yesterday. 69% of people took Carson Wentz over Russell Wilson, more than 8,000 People voted a tad delusional, but I like your confidence in your quarterback. To number seven we go, Ross. Number seven for me, and I was on the radio with them this morning. They weren't thrilled about it. Uh, Radio.com app, our friends at 610 down in Houston. It's the Houston Texans. Uh, They are pretty beat up coming into tomorrow's game, even just against the Bills. Will Fuller not really expected to play, even though he's a game-time decision. We'll see what J.J. Watt can give him. I talked to Greg Cosell 
uh, earlier this week on the Ross Tucker podcast, available on the radio.com app. And he said that Deshaun Watson really hasn't played well over the last month. And if you watched the Tampa Bay game a couple weeks ago on a Saturday, he didn't look entirely healthy. Now, he didn't play last week. A.J. McCarron did. So maybe those two weeks off have given him a, a better ability to be able to play. But I just don't see the Texans winning two road playoff games in Baltimore and in Kansas City. That's if they can even beat the Buffalo Bills. I don't think they're going to do it. I think the Bills are going to beat the Texans tomorrow. Uh, But even if the Texans win that one, uh, I don't see them winning two road playoff games in Kansas City and Baltimore. I think those teams are light years better than Houston. And that leaves Houston where they are just about every year in the middle of the pack, good enough to make the playoffs, but not good enough to do anything in the playoffs. And that's where we continue our radio.com red zone in sports radio 610 in Houston, where Ross Tucker was on this morning. It's that mentality. They've gotten used to kind of being, well, good enough to make the postseason, better than mediocre, but not a Super Bowl contender. Listen. Uh, sometimes this is how I feel after the Texans win yet another division championship. I feel the way I feel when I have Thanksgiving dinner and I want to complain about the turkey being too dry. Like, I'm, I'm in the richest nation on earth. I've got just all this plentiful bounty in front of me. I'm stuffing myself to the gills, and yet I find something to complain about, and it's the turkey is dry. I feel like the turkey is a little bit dry, and I feel guilty about it. Yeah. This, uh, but but Bill O'Brien needs to understand they have deep fried turkey now. There's ways to keep the turkey moist. Yeah. We know uh, they 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 won the AFC South. You guys was talking about how eight years ago that the first time we wanted the excitement, and that we want more. You know, I was excited when I took the damn training wheels off my son's bike and he rode his ass around the cul-de-sac. Now he's graduated to riding his four-wheeler. That's the progression that we should be looking for. Then these jackasses only scored six points in the whole second half. That is not the kind of football that gives anybody a long, hard one that say we're going to go into the playoffs and be ready to play against that caliber of talent when you're talking about Kansas City, Lamar Jackson, and uh, Tom Brady. And that's what frustrates us, man, because we should be excited about this. We are the dissatisfied upper middle class of the NFL. Yes. Where you're not up in the, the elites. You're not one of the one percent or anything. But you're you've got a good job. Yeah, we won the division. Okay, whatever. We all know what lies what lies in the weeds. We're gonna get the four seed. We're gonna play Buffalo, and we're gonna get we're gonna get the hell beat out of us by by the damn Ravens. So here's my question, Dave. Great stuff, by the way, by our guys, Joey and Jordan and the cast of millennials. Although I think Jordan's so young, he's not even a millennial. I don't know what to call him. I mean, if you're younger than me and I just call you a millennial, so I don't know what he is. But anyway, I know this, Dave. I want to know, you're a Broncos fan. You live in New England. Would you be offended as if you were a Texans fan and they made your game the Saturday 4:30 least marquee game every year. I mean, Houston Dave is a top 5 market in our country. 
They've got one of the five most exciting players in the NFL in Deshaun Watson. Top five market, top five exciting player. Nobody gives a shit. They still make them the Saturday 430 game of wildcard weekend. Would that offend you, Dave, or not? Yes, it would. It would offend me. It would get annoying. It would get frustrating. But on the other hand, I would acknowledge and until my team shows that either one, they can deliver the ratings of someone like the Dallas Cowboys or win a Super Bowl, then I would understand it. Look, three of the top five most watched football games in the NFL this season were a team that didn't make the playoffs. That's the Dallas Cowboys. It's just reality. Until you do something that changes the equation, that makes people watch you across the country just the way it is, doesn't surprise me, uh, would offend me, but I would get it. And you? Well, and I mean, it would bother me as a Texans fan a little bit, but I mean, it would bother me a lot. Like it, it would bother me that we're just thought of as that shit team that, yeah, they make the playoffs, but I don't know if it's because they're the AFC South or what. It would bother me, Dave, but on the same token, you know, it's math, right? Like, it's numbers. I mean, they want to put the Patriots in a primetime spot. They want to put the Eagles and Seahawks in a primetime spot. Like, it's like you can't argue that not as many people want to watch the Texans as these other teams. And them playing the Buffalo Bills sure as hell doesn't help at all that they're playing the Bills. Like, if they were playing the Patriots, that would be different. But they're not. So it's really, like, who would you be mad at? Like, who are you fighting? You're fighting math. They get the worst ratings. They put the game that's going to get the worst ratings in the worst rating spot. Yeah, I think it has more to do with Buffalo than it does Houston. And that's where my number seven team comes in. I have Buffalo at number seven, not Houston. Again, a numbers guy. I'm not a huge Josh Allen fan. That has been clear. Here is why. He's had five games, five starts against playoff teams, and he's completed 51% of his passes against those teams. He's one in four. That's why they deserve the number seven ranking. Who you got at number six? I've got the Bills at number six. So, uh, you know, you and I are similar, although I don't know. Maybe you have the Texans one. You haven't said the Texans yet. But I've got the Bills at six. Was not as impressed by their defense as I thought I would be when they played the Patriots. They've got a quarterback making his first playoff start. He's still a young guy, and he's still up and down. And I think the Bills are going to beat the Texans. I, I think the Bills are the better team. But I don't think Josh Allen and the Bills – have much of a chance of going to Baltimore and to Kansas City and winning. He is too inconsistent for me to have any vision of them winning three straight playoff games. So the Bills number six for me. And we are very close because I have the Texans at number six and they're just too erratic for me. I can't figure out who they are. They've allowed 73 points in two December losses to Denver, most notably. Love my Broncos and Drew Locke, but they shredded the Houston Texans and Tennessee. Health is everything for Houston. This return of J.J. Watt, what to make of it? Hard to know. And if there's one player that's the most important player for Houston being healthy, strangely, it is, of course, the wide receiver that they need in the lineup, not named DeAndre Hopkins. Will Fuller, when Will Fuller's in the lineup, 
Deshaun Watson is a far different quarterback, and that's aside from the production of Will Fuller. When he's in the lineup, the numbers are dramatically better for Deshaun Watson. It's a strange phenomenon, not entirely clear if he's going to play uh, this weekend. I think questionable at the latest check. Let's move on to number five. Who you got there? I've got the Tennessee Titans number five. Uh, They are playing pretty good football right now, Dave. You know, they've got a consistent quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Can't believe I'm saying that. Probably couldn't say that five times fast. Consistent quarterback, Ryan Tannehill. He is. You know, he's got the highest passer rating of any quarterback in the playoffs. That seemed a little crazy to me, but he does. They've got the leading rusher in the NFL in Derrick Henry. They've got some good guys on the defensive side of the ball. Kevin Byer, Jarrell Casey, uh, A.J. Brown might be offensive rookie of the year. I mean, you sit here and think the quarterback with the highest passer rating of any of the playoffs, the leading rusher in the NFL, maybe the offensive rookie of the year. I mean, that's a lot of good shit, Dave. That's a lot of good stuff right there. it's It's pretty darn good. And I think they have a chance to beat the Patriots on Saturday night. And I actually feel better about them winning the next round against Baltimore than I do the Bills or the Texans, mainly because of how they're playing right now. They get a pretty good combo of Tannehill passing. He can make some plays with his legs. Derrick Henry pounding you. I mean, look, I don't think it's going to happen. That's why they're five. But I think they get a better shot than the teams below them. And I agree with you about that talented Titans team, but that's why I have them higher, a couple of notches higher. So hang on to see where I have the Titans. I've got the Vikings here at number five. I just don't like the way this team is finished. I don't like the way they performed in big time spots. I'm not sure about the health of Dalvin Cook. If they have a fully healthy Dalvin Cook that can eat, and I'm talking about 25 carries if he can eat and Kirk Cousins can work off that play action yes this team is far better than the number five ranking I give them but right now we're not sure he hasn't played in three weeks Dalvin Cook and that last time just nine carries for 27 yards it is everything to see where Dalvin Cook lands in terms of his health so that is my Number five team, the Vikings. We'll get to our top four after a quick break. And who do we have number one? I think a safe bet says we agree on the top team of the wild card playoff teams. And I do believe they have a legit shot at not getting to, but winning a Super Bowl. We'll get to all that after a break. Yeah, we also will get a chance to talk with Sam Munson from PFF. We'll find out where PFF, Pro Football Focus, has these teams ranked, which will be fun. Plus, let's talk about the Titans. Jim Wyatt has been covering the Titans forever. We're going to get a chance to talk to him a little bit later about the Titans. It's kind of weird that they've got like the worst record of any team. They're the sixth seed, yet a lot of people like you and I, Dave, are evidently feeling pretty decent about them. We also need to talk about tipping a little bit later. Donnie Wahlberg. I see you. I, I'm actually curious, Dave, to see if you tip, like when people, when you get takeout, stuff like that. Do you tip at Panera? We'll get into that a little bit later as well. A lot of good questions. We are rolling today. You should roll on over to ZipRecruiter. 
because they send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners, Dave and me, us, we, ours, can get ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We are ranking the eight wildcard teams that play this weekend in terms of their likelihood to win the Super Bowl. We gave you the bottom four, as it were. Prior, we will get to the top four and the most likely wildcard team to win a Super Bowl in just a bit. But if you are wondering on this wildcard Friday what the most important position was on the football field in terms of getting into the playoffs and having a shot, well, wonder no longer because PFF breaks that down perfectly. Nine of the top 10 graded quarterbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, are in the postseason. Nine of 10, clearly the most important position on the football field. Not so much as the top four running backs missed out on the postseason. Let's talk about that with Sam Monson, our good friend from PFF.com. Check them out. Best NFL analysis anywhere out there. Sam, good to see you. Happy Friday. It's Dave Briggs. It's Ross Tucker. Um, The most surprising thing about the nine of 10 highest graded quarterbacks on PFF is number one. What is Ryan Tannehill doing that's made him so successful in going seven and three? I mean, he is playing at a phenomenal level right now. I think everybody expects this Ryan Tannehill thing to, to fizzle out and to stop going so well, but it hasn't yet. It's, it's crazy. Ryan Tannehill is playing the best football of his career. Um, he's playing the best football of anybody in the NFL right now. Really, the only gripe you could have about what he is doing is he's taking too many sacks. You know, that's it's one of the things that quarterbacks do that doesn't necessarily show up um, in the box score or in, in overall performance. But quarterbacks control how much they get sacked more than pretty much anything else. And honestly, it's it's probably a bigger factor than how good the offensive line in front of them is, as, as crazy as it is to say. So Ryan Tannehill needs to be careful with how much of a problem he's causing himself by taking those sacks. But in terms of just passing the ball, getting it deep down the field, he's been accurate. He's been making big-time throws. He's been taking care of the football. He's been playing like a top quarterback. Sam, let me just start by saying I love you. Uh, that, <laughs> that, is how, that is how you start an interview, okay? It's nice. Thank you. Finally, somebody points out that the quarterbacks have a lot to do with sacks. Thank you. Can't tell you how many years it's taken us to get to this point where people actually realize that. 
There's no doubt quarterbacks have more to do with sacks than any other position. It's then offensive line after that. But then even after that, there's running backs, there's receivers. So thank you for that. My question with Tannehill is this. You guys have been grading him every play for a long time now at Pro Football Focus. So are you able to decipher how much of it is improved performance from Tannehill versus how much of it is the guys like Arthur Smith in Tennessee putting him in much better chances to succeed than Adam Gase did in Miami. Like when you guys are doing your grades, how are you able to, and maybe you're not, to kind of decipher how much of it is this guy is being put in a much better chance and a much better position to succeed? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some of that that you can do. Um, the problem is you're talking about small sample sizes, right? So it's very difficult to draw definitive conclusions. But you can start to look at things like, you know, how many times is he targeting receivers that are wide open? Because most of the time when guys are wide open, it's not actually um, the receiver winning one-on-one -on -one and just beating his guy by five yards. Scheme has got a lot to do with it. You know, they're able to get, they're able to, to break receivers open and the quarterback hits those guys. So the greater percentage of throws that are to wide open targets, the greater the impact the offensive scheme, coaching, the play design is having. And you tend to see, you know, Andy Reid teams are always at the top of the list when it comes to percentage of open throws because Andy Reid's scheme is one of the toughest in the NFL for defenses to cope with and to, to keep tight coverage in all these receivers. So, you know, I think you can look at Tannehill's season and say there's definitely something to the fact that he's being put in a better position to succeed. But also, I think the last few years in Miami were not where his baseline should have been. You know, earlier in his career, he graded very well for us. Um, there was a period where he looked like he would be the second best quarterback from that 2012 draft class. You know, you think Andrew Luck, RG3, Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Nick Foles. Tannehill looked like he might be the second best guy from that class for a period. And then injuries, the wheels fell off in Miami and the, the whole thing just went south. But he's got talent. And I think now we're seeing that, you know, his talent He's probably playing at an unsustainably high level. He'll come back down to earth at some point. But add that to the fact that he's being put in a better situation. He now has elite wide receivers like A.J. Brown. Um, and suddenly everything looks fantastic. Uh, number two graded quarterback on Pro Football Focus is a tie. It's Russell Wilson and it's Drew Brees. And it's an interesting poll, Sam, that WIP Sports Radio in Philly had. What quarterback would you rather have, Russell Wilson or Carson Wentz? Perhaps no surprise that Philly took Wentz 69-31. to 31. How big a quarterback mismatch is Russell Wilson versus Carson Wentz? And how do you expect it to play out? Well, I think the big difference between the two is consistency, particularly this season. You know, Russell Wilson, honestly, they're, they're kind of alike in terms of the inconsistency has been each guy's biggest problem throughout their career. Russell Wilson has always been an excellent quarterback, but he tends to have games where it just doesn't happen and he struggles. And this year he hasn't really had any of those. Even the games where his numbers don't look as strong, his PFF grade has been good. It's more a case of, you know, teams have figured out how the offense overall functions, and they've either been able to limit the number of passes Wilson has or shut it down from the other end. So receivers have made mistakes. Coverage has come up big. 
but Wilson has played well all the way through the year. Carson Wentz, obviously he's been dealing with the fact that he just doesn't have any bodies left. You know, he's dealing with former AAF receivers as his number one wideout. He's down to his second tight end as his number one target. He just doesn't have any bodies remaining, and yet he's still been able to make some plays. Um, but again, with him, it's there's just too many routine plays that he leaves out there on the field to match the level that Wilson's at. I think talent-wise, there's not much between them, but Wilson's just got it in a much better place right now than Wentz has. All right, Sam. Uh, it kind of gets back to the question I asked earlier. Do you guys do coaching grades? I mean, I know you evaluate every player on every play. Do you guys have coaching grades as well? So we don't actually grade coaches right now, but what we are doing is working on – so I was talking about this this morning, right? Bills fans hate us right now because we don't actually grade that many of their players well. But the defense overall is playing extremely well. They're obviously – they're in the playoffs, so all the Bills fans think things are going great. But the PFF grades don't actually rate their players particularly highly. So the narrative out there amongst the Bills mafia is that we hate the Bills. But the point we're making is that a lot of the times when there's a discrepancy between PFF grades and the overall output of a unit, the difference between the two is explained by coaching. Um, and that applies to defense. It applies to quarterbacks a lot. So when we don't grade a guy particularly well, but he's putting up crazy good numbers, usually the answer is that the scheme is doing something pretty special to make that guy look better than he's actually playing. Um, so that kind of thing, you can start to quantify the impact that coaching has. And our data science guys out here, Eric Eager and, and George Shahuri, they're doing a lot of work in terms of putting that into a metric and, and firmly quantifying the impact that coaches have. And this is one of the things we're shipping over to NFL front offices to, to actually give them a kind of scorecard on how their coaches are performing from a schematic point of view. All right, so then it's interesting. You, what you said about the Bills kind of was another thing I wanted to ask. Do you guys in any way compile all the grades, right? So let's say, you know, each team has about 30 guys that get on the field, a bunch of snaps, right? This is just an idea I have, Sam. Like, I would like to know where do all these guys grade out? And because if you add up all the grades – the higher the number, the worse, right? Like the higher the number, the worse the team should be. The lower the number, the better the team should be. It sounds like the Bills would be pretty high, even though they've had a nice year. Yeah, I mean, we have a couple of different ways of applying the grades to team level stuff. You know, we have a composite team grade and that, that's broken down by facet, whether it's coverage, run defense, passing offense, all that kind of thing. But then we also have, you know, team level specific data that we use in our ELO rankings that factors in strength of competition, all that kind of stuff. And, and that goes into to our green line model and sort of powers the, the betting stuff that we have. But I, we have a couple of different ways of measuring team performance above and beyond kind of just uh, aggregating the, the grades of all the individual players. But I, I think it's definitely true that when you, when there's a big discrepancy between how the grading of all these individual players um, how that adds up and the actual performance of a unit, you know, based on conventional statistical measures like, you know, yards per play, all that kind of thing. When there's a big difference between those two. There's something more at work than just, well, PFF's wrong about this. 
there's another factor that that's missing and it's it's coaching it's scheme it's you know those kinds of things that go into this and so therein lies my question about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he is currently your number eight graded quarterback. Um, but I'm seeing a guy who is nowhere near the Aaron Rodgers that I've come to expect. 27 of 55 last week, Sam. And he's 54% completion in the last three weeks. I know. They've got a bye. 13 wins. They've won five in a row. I just don't see it in Aaron Rodgers. Uh, what are you seeing in the tape that justifies that number eight number and works against the 54% he's completing in recent games? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is Aaron Rodgers at his best is number one, you know, so he's coming down a long mm. way from where he was at his best. He is a phenomenally talented quarterback. When he was playing at his best, he was the best quarterback in the game. So for him to fall all the way to number eight is a significant drop. The second thing is that number is 16 games in the season. So he's been heading down over the last few weeks because of those past few weeks' performances. He's definitely sinking rather than rising up those rankings. And then the last point is, certainly last week, his aggressiveness, which has been the big criticism of Rodgers, is he makes a lot of throws down the field, but they're not dangerous. He doesn't tend to target the middle of the field very often. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way. And it sort of inflates some of his numbers, the, the touchdown to interception stuff because he's not taking the risks that some of these other quarterbacks take. Last week, he was just airing it out. Like, he had 17 attempts that were 20-plus yards down the field, I think, which is, I think, the most we've ever charted in a game. Like, he was just out there slinging the ball down the field. And when you do that, obviously, your completion rate falls off a cliff. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure it was a bad thing, to be honest, because it's been one of the mm. criticisms of him that he hasn't been that aggressive. So, you know, I think there's a few things rolled in there, but Rodgers definitely is not the player he used to be. The question really is whether he can ever get back to that point. All right, so Sam, Dave and I are right in the middle of ranking the eight teams here in Wild Card Weekend from least likely to most likely to actually get to the Super Bowl. So we're going about it a little bit differently. We know that no team playing in Wild Card Weekend has gotten there since 2012, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. We are about halfway through. I'm sure you don't have all eight of them you know, lined up, but off the top of your head, the teams playing this weekend, who are the two or three that you could maybe see getting to the Super Bowl? And the two or three where it's like there is no way in hell those guys are getting to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think New Orleans has a really good shot. They have a pretty good argument to be seen as the best team in the NFC total. They, they were one of those few teams that were going for the number one seed right up till week 17. And ultimately, they end up playing on wildcard weekend. I think that's the clearest victory of this weekend as well. I think they should beat the Minnesota Vikings fairly handily. Um, so I think the Saints have a real good shot to go through to the Super Bowl. They also, depending on how the other games fall, you know, over the next couple of weeks, they can end up hosting games as well. And, and that's a huge thing for their chances, obviously. Um, in the AFC, I, you know, I don't think that most of those AFC teams um, have a real shot of going through. I think the Patriots have the pedigree, um, but they they just don't seem like the same unit before, as they um, as they have in the past. I don't know that the Titans can make that kind of run. 
And then the Buffalo Houston, the same thing. I just not sure either of those teams can make the run. I think if you're going to get these teams going to the Super Bowl, it's going to come from the NFC side. Um, the Saints would be my favorite. And then I think the Seahawks, if they get healthy enough, are capable of making a run. I love that prediction, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus with us. Check him out, pff.com. Uh, before you go, Sam, interesting story I wanted to ask you about. Uh, Jenny McCarthy, you remember her, she revealed that her husband, Donnie Wahlberg, left a 2020, as in 2020, $2,020 tip for an IHOP server in honor of this new year, 2020, which gets us to the question, Sam, what type of tipper are you? Are you a standard 20% guy? And at a place like Starbucks, at a place like Panera, how about Chinese takeout? What's your mentality tipping if you're not at a sit-down restaurant? Well, here's the thing, right? So I come from Ireland where it's not a strong a tipping culture, right? We don't tip for that many things. A meal out, you tip. Over here, obviously, it's way different. So I have this, like, inbuilt concern that I'm not tipping enough. So I tend to over-tip places. I, I, I'm, like, 25% is my sort of baseline, and then... Typically, I'm, I'm like tipping places where I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tip. My default is always to, to be safe, right? I just so I'm not wrong. I like that, Sam. So here's my question. So I'm a, Dave and I'll talk about this a little bit later. I'm typically like a 20% guy, primarily because it's just easier math-wise. <laughs> Just it's easier for me to it's easier for me to figure out what 10% is and then double it. Like I don't I, I wouldn't like who does 18% or 22%? Like it's just easier to do 20%. But you said Ireland, not a big tipping culture. So like what does that mean? You don't you don't like when you get a meal, do people still tip 20%? Do you not tip when you get a pint in the pub? What's going on? Yeah, so like a meal is the the only real place you would tip in Ireland. Um, and then, then this tip is basically dependent on the service. You know, if you have good service, you tip well. If you have crappy service, you don't tip well. Um, no, I mean, you, you don't really tip uh, bar staff. You don't really tip, you know, it, it's just not, it, it doesn't permeate the same way as it does in the States because, you know, there's a reasonably healthy uh, minimum wage. Waiters are... It's not like it's the best job in the world, but those guys aren't, aren't reliant on tips to survive. Interesting discussion and one we will continue later in the program. And then you involve the whole holidays thing. You got to tip your garbage man, your mailman, your hairdresser, and all that. It gets confusing and annoying. Sam Monson. Oh, not a problem for you, brother. Uh, enjoy the wild card weekend. Check out pff.com. Always appreciate the time, Sam. And and don't worry about those Bills haters. They'll come around. They, maybe they like that role anyway. They like the anger and the hatred. That's uh, entirely possible. <laughs> the number one <laughs> haters of Sam Monson right now, the Bills Mafia. Appreciate that. Uh, we're going to get a lot more into this uh, tipping conversation ahead and also talk to uh, the voice of the Titans about will they end the Patriots dynasty this weekend. Uh, but one thing let me ask you with, Ross, is the holiday tips. Do you open it up to my point there, garbage man, mailman, et cetera, et cetera, at Christmas time? No. I don't. No. No, I I I don't do that. Um, 
Maybe my wife does. I don't know. I'd have to ask her. I, I tend to doubt it. So, unfortunately, no. You know, I'm sitting here feeling like I'm a pretty good tipper and feeling pretty good about it. I'm a little bit worried that when we come back, I'm going to I'm gonna end up being a cheapskate all of a sudden. Because you mentioned Starbucks. I mean, we can get into Uber tips. We can get into Panera. There's a lot of... Um, I am a good tipper when it comes to ice cream because I want them to really go all in. You know what I mean? Like I, I want, <laughs> I, I like, like not all scoops are created equal. Okay. Let's just say that right now. We also need to do our top four for our wild card weekend rankings. So we still got a lot to do. Don't go anywhere. Loving this show so far and loving ZipRecruiter because how do you think we got all these millennials? They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, everybody, it's Ross Tucker. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day exclusively on the Radio.com app or on the web at Radio.com slash home. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.